0: A FOCUS SUMMARY OF CHAPTERS SEVEN AND EIGHT OF FRANKENSTEIN Upon returning from his excursion with Clerval, Victor found a letter waiting from his father, Alphonse. In it, his father said that though he wished he could spare him the pain he was about to inflict, there was no way to avoid telling him. William, his angelic young brother, had been murdered. Alphonse then related details of the circumstances. The prior Thursday, he, Victor's two brothers, and Elizabeth went for a walk on a warm and serene night. At one point, William and Ernest went on ahead. When they reunited with Ernest, William, who had run off to hide, was nowhere to be found. They searched for him all night, and at five in the morning, Victor's father found the boy stretched on the grass, motionless, with finger-marks around his neck." Seeing the murdered child, Elizabeth cried out that she was to blame, and collapsed in anguish. She had let him wear a miniature of his mother that she possessed. The picture was gone, and she was sure that was what had tempted the murderer. Alphonse pled with his son to come home and console Elizabeth. He begged him not to come brooding with thoughts of vengeance, but with feelings of peace and gentleness that would help heal their wounds. Watching Victor, Clerval read the despair on his face, and begged to know what had happened. Victor handed him the letter, and Clerval read the account of their misfortune for himself. Unable to offer any consolation, other than the fact that sweet William no longer suffered, Clerval instead offered Victor his deepest sympathy, and expressed horror that anyone could destroy such radiant innocence. Victor hurried home to Geneva, anxious to console his loved ones. But as he approached the town, conflicted feelings crowded his mind, and he slowed his pace. He felt overcome by an indefinable fear of a thousand nameless evils. He stayed for two weeks among the palaces of nature in Lausanne before he continued his journey. As he approached Geneva, he felt a delight in the placid scenes of his beloved native country, but also anguish that perhaps they stood as he left them to mock at his present unhappiness. By the time he arrived in Geneva, it was completely dark, and the gates of the city were closed, so he resolved to visit the spot where William had been murdered. As he crossed the lake, he saw lightning playing on the summit of Mont Blanc, "'and on landing he ascended a low hill "'where he saw a storm rapidly approaching. "'The thunder began to crash over his head. "'The lightning made the lake appear like a vast sheet of fire. "'Other storms lighted and then left dark the surrounding mountains. "'This beautiful drama of nature, "'which he saw as some sort of funeral dirge for William, "'elevated his spirits. "'Just then,' he perceived a figure in the gloom, and a flash of lightning revealed it to be that filthy demon to which he had given life. No sooner had a thought crossed his mind than he was convinced of it. The demon was William's murderer. Victor thought of pursuing him, but by the time the lightning flashed again, the creature had bounded up the nearly perpendicular ascent of mont and disappeared over the summit." Standing in the rain and the darkness, Victor revolved in his mind the events that had led to the being's creation, and wondered whether he had turned loose on the world a depraved wretch who had murdered his brother. As day dawned, he hastened to his father's house. His first thought was to tell them what he knew, and cause pursuit of the murderer. But reflecting on his story, he determined that they would all look upon it as the ravings of insanity and even if he could persuade them, they would be incapable of capturing a creature that could rapidly scale a mountain. He finally arrived home, and as he stood gazing at the portraits of his mother and William, Ernest entered to welcome him, and said that if he had only come three months ago, he would have found them all joyous. Instead, the discovery of the murderer had completed their misery." They would never have believed that one so amiable and fond of the family as Justine Moritz could have committed such a crime. Victor was incredulous that anyone could believe her guilty, but Ernest said that though at first they didn't, circumstances had forced the conviction upon them. After the murder, Justine was taken ill and confined to bed for several days. In that time, the picture of their mother that was judged to be the temptation of the murderer was found in her pocket. Justine's confused manner when she was confronted with this evidence confirmed the suspicion. Victor replied to all this with an earnest declaration that Justine was innocent, and that he knew the true murderer. At that moment his father entered, trying to greet Victor cheerfully despite his obvious unhappiness. Ernest cried that Victor knew who was William's murderer, and his father replied that so, unfortunately, did they. It was Justine. Victor's only consolation was his conviction that in the trial, which was to occur that day, she would be found innocent. He did not, however, intend to announce publicly his tale, which he was convinced no one would believe. They were soon joined by Elizabeth whose expression of sensibility and intellect had given her a more mature and augmented beauty. She expressed her own confidence in Justine's innocence, and lamented their double misfortune, with William murdered and Justine accused. Victor assured her that Justine was innocent and would be acquitted. Elizabeth wept with gratitude for his belief in Justine's innocence, and her uncle assured her that she could rely on the justice of their laws. All of the family went to court, Victor feeling as if he were on trial for causing the deaths of William and Justine. Justine's potential death he considered more dreadful even than William's, since she would suffer not only loss of life, but infamy he would have confessed himself guilty of the crime if his declaration would not have been dismissed as the ravings of a madman. When Justine appeared in court, she was calm, confident, and exquisitely beautiful, despite the accusing gaze of the crowd. Since her confusion had been interpreted as guilt, she worked herself up to an appearance of courage. But when she saw Victor's family in the courtroom— A tear dimmed her eye. The trial began, and the prosecutor presented the evidence against her. She was out the whole night of the murder. She was seen near the spot where the body was found. When questioned by a market woman, she was unable to account for her presence there. When she saw the body, she fell into hysterics, and the picture that the child had worn around his neck was found in her pocket. Justine was then called on to testify in her defense. She said she had passed the evening at the home of an aunt, and that on the way home she met a man who asked her if she had seen the lost child. She was alarmed, and searched for him for several hours, by which time the city gates were locked. Not wanting to disturb them, she spent the night in the barn of some acquaintances. At dawn she heard footsteps and awoke. She went again to look for her brother, and when she was questioned by the market woman, her bewilderment was a consequence of her anguish and exhaustion. But she could give no explanation as to why the picture was found in her pocket, nor could she even conceive of one. Her only hope was that the testimony to her character might outweigh this apparent evidence of her guilt. Witnesses were called who testified to her character— but timidly, because of the enormity of the crime. Seeing this, Elizabeth was agitated, and asked permission to address the court. She herself gave impassioned testimony to the benevolence of her friend, describing how she had nursed Madame Frankenstein through her illness, and how warmly attached she had been to the child she was alleged to have killed. As to the necklace, she said it could not have been a temptation— since she would happily have given it to Justine if she wanted it. The audience was moved by her words, but rather than inspiring them to believe in Justine's innocence, they now believed her guilty of both the crime and of a black ingratitude to her generous friend. Victor's agitation was extreme, as he began to wonder whether the demon had both killed William and framed Justine. He rushed out of the courtroom in agony. The next morning, he returned to hear the verdict. Justine was condemned, and he suffered a heart-sickening despair. He was then perplexed to learn that Justine had confessed. He went home to inform his family of the result. Elizabeth despaired to know that someone she loved as a sister could have committed murder— Soon after, she learned that Justine wished to see her, and she agreed to go. Upon their arrival, Justine fell at Elizabeth's feet and wept. She told them that she had confessed to a lie, after she was threatened with excommunication, so that she might obtain absolution. But she could not bear that Elizabeth should think her a creature guilty of a crime only the devil himself could have perpetrated. Elizabeth begged her forgiveness for having mistrusted her for a moment and vowed she would not die, but Justine said she was resigned to her fate and unafraid of death. During this conversation, Victor had retired to the corner of the room where he gnashed his teeth and uttered a groan from his inmost soul. On seeing him, Justine started and asked whether he thought her guilty. Elizabeth assured her that he, more than anyone, had believed in her innocence. Justine thanked them both, and said she could now die in peace. Justine gained the resignation she desired. Elizabeth was unhappy, but it was the misery of innocence. He, on the other hand, suffered an anguish that bore a hell to the core of his heart. The two girls said their farewells and embraced Justine expressing her desire that this be the last misfortune Elizabeth should ever suffer. Despite Elizabeth and Victor's passionate appeals, the next day Justine perished on the scaffold as a murderess. Victor was tortured with guilt over the work of his thrice-accursed hands, which brought about the deaths of Justine and William and the grief of his dearest Elizabeth. He, who would have shed his own blood for their sakes, had caused them terrible torments. He beheld his family spending vain sorrow upon the graves of William and Justine, the victims of his unhallowed arts, the first victims.